Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening. If you have not subscribed yet, make sure you go on Apple, go on Google, whichever podcast app that you use. Subscribe to Grain Markets and Other Stuff. Make sure you're alerted whenever new episodes are posted. Um, we're back here to do another episode after a, a another hectic week in the financial markets. Everything from from the grain markets to the livestock markets to the financial markets, uh, energy markets, everything is just kind of off its rocker here. So we're going to do a little bit of an update on the chaos as I did last week. Uh, they just imposed a stay-at-home order uh, statewide in Tennessee uh, effective today. So we're going to be a little bit more limited than we had been. Although the TWRA, who's the wildlife agency, uh, said that we're allowed to fish and we're allowed to boat and we're allowed to hunt. I know a lot of, a lot of guys are uh, interested in turkey season, which uh, I believe, I know it's this weekend, but it, it may have started even earlier. So uh, the outdoor activities go as planned. So I'll be on the lake tomorrow. But uh, kids still in the house, driving my wife crazy. It's... Uh, we need to get these kids back to school or back playing t-ball or doing something. That That's what we would be doing ordinarily, and I'm sure all of you are in that same boat. So I've basically got, uh, for this episode, I've got a list of topics that I want to run through, uh, relevant topics uh, when it comes to the markets here this week, and we're going to kind of do, again, an update on, on the chaos which continues uh, first thing on my list, I did a poll on Twitter and I asked my Twitter followers, I said, will the funds take a long position in the corn market in 2020, meaning this calendar year? And uh, the majority of those who responded said no. And it was kind of close. I think it was 55, 45 or something along those lines. But the majority said no. And uh, that would be kind of unprecedented if that were the case. Every year since CFTC began essentially its modern record keeping, which started in 2006, not only have the funds taken a long position in every single year since that's uh, since that started, they've taken a long of at least 100,000 contracts in every single calendar year, and we haven't seen that yet. Uh, this could could this be the year that breaks the mold, and we never see that happen? Uh, it's certainly possible. Uh, we've got some some pretty piss poor fundamentals here, uh, the way I see it. But things can change quickly. So that was one thing that I figured I'd lead off with that I found very very interesting. Uh, we would really be kind of going off the uh, going off script here if the funds were to to go a whole year while staying short the corn market. That would be very interesting. Really, some troubling economic data this week um, that those jobless claims were just off the charts. If you look at the chart of weekly jobless claims that goes back to the 70s or 80s, it's unbelievable the spike that we've seen in jobless claims in this country the last two weeks. So prior to this whole coronavirus mess, the the previous weekly record for jobless claims was 695,000 in the fall of 1982. We saw uh, two weeks ago, 3.3 million. 
Americans filed jobless claims, and last week, 6.6 million. So we are just blowing the lid off of any previous record. I mean, way above the 80s, way above anything seen in the financial crisis uh, 12 years ago. It's really a phenomenal shift that we've seen here. And those are numbers that probably get worse. Um, You're seeing a lot of layoffs. You're seeing a lot of companies, I think in retail especially, that are putting employees or workers on furloughs, which are essentially like unpaid leave. And they're telling those employees to go file unemployment. And uh, there are reports that in some states, the system is kind of backlogged and that the real numbers are actually higher. So those numbers, those jobless claims numbers, the unemployment rate, that sort of stuff probably gets worse uh, before it gets better. Non-farm payrolls were uh, fell by 700 and something thousand, which is the first time we've seen a uh, decline since 2010. So we broke a streak uh, of increases that lasted, I think, 113 months. So the economic situation in this country has very much turned on a dime very, very, very quickly. And it's because of these quarantines, because of these lockdowns, uh, because of the virus, essentially, it all goes back to that. It's all in all a very, very bad deal. The oil situation has gotten, was already interesting, but I think maybe got even a little bit more interesting this week. So uh, just Wednesday or Thursday, President Trump said that he had had a phone call, I believe, with uh, the Russians and uh, had also talked to the Saudis and was going to try to do something to kind of broker a deal, essentially, to try to get these uh, members of OPEC and these oil producing countries to take some steps to kind of stabilize the market. And the Saudis did confirm here on Friday morning, I believe, that uh, they would in fact hold a meeting uh, with OPEC members and maybe even with non-OPEC members regarding a production cut. So we've seen a pretty good rally in the crude oil market. You know, your spot month WTI futures uh, did trade below $20 very briefly on a couple different occasions the last two weeks. And they're back up to $27 or $28 uh, as of this morning. So is that enough to, uh, to, to really help us out in, in terms of say corn or ethanol? Uh, it's probably not enough yet. What we need to see here is two things. You need to see two things to get the ethanol deal, which I'll, I'll talk about next kind of back on its feet. You need to see the energy markets recover. We need to see a production cut, uh, a widespread production cut. We need to get oil back up in at least the thirties, mid thirties to, to, to lower forties. Probably you need to get ethanol up well above a dollar a gallon. And, and the futures are down closer to that 80 or 90 cent range here. And, and that's just a bad deal. And then the, the other side is the demand side. And because of this virus, because nobody's commuting to work, because everything is shut down, you're just not seeing the demand for uh, gasoline that uh, you've seen. And, and we've seen a, a big downdraft in that demand. So we need to see two things. You need to see the, the supply situation tighten up a little bit. You need to see these production numbers back off. And then secondly, and probably just as important, you need to see demand come back. And and when that demand comes back for gasoline, that that means that demand comes back for ethanol, and that helps to improve the situation. So a lot of uh, moving pieces as far as the oil situation goes. Now, when we talk about ethanol, the uh, U.S. biofuel industry sent a joint letter, I guess, uh, to the president uh, just uh, today, either Thursday or Friday, and they are asking the administration for funds from the Commodity Credit Corporation to help it weather the coronavirus-related slump. That's what their letter said, and I think that the 
the the slump is is certainly related to the virus, but also related to the production increases. Um, they have in this letter they said that a quarter, twenty five percent of U.S. ethanol, or about three point five billion gallons of annualized output, has been idled so far. Uh, in response to collapsing demand. And a lot of people think that that number could actually be bigger. So the amount of demand that analysts are chopping off of their balance sheets uh, via ethanol is is really substantial. Some analysts are chopping 100, 200 million, 300 million, 400 million bushels off of the uh, uh, demand number for ethanol on the old crop corn balance sheet. And that's really phenomenal. Um, that's just a phenomenal shift that happened very, very quickly. Really, in less than a month, you saw that shift, and that's why we've seen such a downdraft in the corn market. So, ethanol is is the biggest deal in the grain markets right now, and especially in the corn market, in my opinion. It it typically represents forty percent of your demand base, and if we've just lost a quarter of that forty percent or more. That is very, very substantial, and that's why we're seeing this shift in the market. May corn futures traded down under 329 today, um, and, and I'm speaking here at midday on Friday. And that is the lowest trade uh, for any spot month corn contract, I think, since uh, 2016. I think it was August or September in 2016. So we are into some uh, three- or four-year lows here in corn prices. And uh, the December corn futures at $3.49. Um this is the cheapest we've seen new crop corn ahead of planting in a long, long time. And uh, there are very few farmers across the country that can make money with these sort of new crop prices. So you've got to think a few steps ahead here. Where's How does this end? It probably ends with more MFP or government payments, whatever they want to call it this time around. Um, there, there's going to have to be something to that effect when the government is is printing trillions of dollars to help combat this thing. Um, we know that some of it's going to be allocated to agriculture. We just don't know uh, the specifics of it at this point in time. But that's that's something that you have to believe is on its way. Now, can you make your marketing plan based around the idea that you're going to get uh, MFP or, or some sort of payment? No, you can't do that. That would be irresponsible, certainly. But I mean, if I had to make a guess, I'd say, yeah. Um, that probably happens. Uh, you've also got to take a look at your spring crop insurance prices, which is very unfortunate. Um, just uh, you know, a month after they were set, essentially. But uh, the, the corn insurance price was three eighty eight. We're down to three forty eight. If you had made some sales, say you got twenty or thirty percent of your new crop priced, uh, you may be in a situation here where you don't have a ton of downside risk when you throw in the crop insurance situation. Beans were probably not quite to that point yet. Uh, the spring insurance price was nine seventeen five fifty six for. Spring spring wheat doesn't do anything for you right now but uh, that's that those are conversations that uh i don't like the people are going to have to have those conversations i don't like to have to rely on crop insurance as a backstop but that's going to be the reality of this thing uh if if these sort of prices uh stick around for a while so you know when when you look at corn i mean you've got nothing but bad news here the, the 97 million acre print from from earlier this week that's that's the least of our problems right now ethanol is is by far the biggest problem a lot of people have argued that that 97 probably turns into a 95 or 96 or maybe even lower than that eventually i just don't really know where the acreage goes i don't know does it go to soybeans i mean there's not anything that much better in terms of profitability there um, does it go to like spring wheat up north? I, I don't know what to make of that. So I, I know people think that the, the acreage number is going to come down, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to come down as, as much as some people think. But I, again, I think that the, the high corn acreage number is probably 
the least of our problems right now. This ethanol thing, the much bigger problem. Now in soybeans, we've got some problems there too. Um, the export situation isn't good, and they're just there's not really a scenario in which U.S. soybeans are going to be super competitive, probably between now and and U.S. harvest this fall, and and that's a problem. The other issue that I think the trade has probably already adjusted for is that USDA actually increased its projection for old crop soybean exports following that trade deal. I think they bumped it up by 50 million bushels, and that was the wrong move because China just has not been active in the old crop soybean market. So USDA is going to have to walk that back, and then you're going to kind of be left with a situation where the carryout is probably not going to be 450 million or whatever. It's it's probably going to be above that by by a fair amount so we've got our own problems in the beans I, I will say about the beans the uh the crush domestically has been good that's been the case for months and months and months nothing new there but your your demand base for soybeans has always been pretty much twofold it's about half exports and half crush and when one of even half of that you know and in this case the export half is really soft it it presents a problem for the market still it's it's pretty interesting that the carry out at the end of august is going to be probably about half what it was last year or um you know somewhere thereabouts and the market's kind of acting or trading in the same price ranges that it did last year despite that so i guess if i had to pick a market to be friendly corn versus soybeans it would probably be soybeans on that idea uh the other thing that's interesting about beans is what the funds have done and and they did exactly what they did in january so back in january ahead of the trade deal that first couple of weeks of january the funds covered their short ahead of the trade deal signing they went flat and maybe just very modestly long the bean market ahead of that trade deal signing on january 15th and then when they saw the trade deal they saw that china hadn't really come in for any uh new purchases or anything they very quickly went back to a short position and that's kind of what we just saw here over the last couple of weeks the funds went went flat to maybe modestly long the soybean market just for maybe two or three days uh, back in late March, and now they're back short again. So there's just a reluctance, I think, because of of the virus, because of the economic issues, because of the export program. Uh, they just they don't want to be long this stuff, and and we hope that that changes at some point down the road. Also, um, looking at the stock market, we've I I will say that we've stabilized the the ranges are still phenomenally wide, but we've we've stabilized. To some extent, we're not seeing just a big flush out to the downside every single day. You essentially saw your bottom in the S&P on the 23rd of March, and you saw a good, what, 15% bounce. And now we've kind of been trading ranges the last five or six sessions. Um, could we see another big leg down there? Yeah, we, we definitely could. Um, anything could happen in this environment. I'm I'm really surprised that the correction's only been 25 or 30% given what's happened here. Uh, I mean, if, if we corrected 50% ultimately in the stock market, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. Uh, we, we went so long without a real significant correction here. Uh, it, it could go further than you think. And I'm not a stock market bear, big picture. I'm, I'm still very much a stock market bull long-term, but uh, short-term, anything could happen. And this is, this is really quite the mess. And uh, speaking of messes, maybe the biggest mess out there is in the cattle market. This is just phenomenal what's happened here. We've got April cattle, as I speak here, limit down at $88.32. And cash traded $105 today. And, and that cash trade, I will say, was down 7 or $8 from the trade that we saw just a day ago, I think, 24 hours ago. So the cash market's leaking lower. And uh, 
this is an incredibly ugly situation. When you look back at the last several years, I mean, very rarely do you see spot month cattle futures below 100 bucks. Very rarely do you see the funds take any sort of short position at all. And now you've got a position where we are, or a situation where we are well below 100 bucks. The funds are heavily, probably record short. They've got to be record short at this point as I speak here. Um, so that situation has really turned into a disaster. Um, so there is just not, I can't really tell you much in terms of good news here this week. I really can't. There isn't much positive out here. Um, everything looks very negative. And I think a lot of it is is a matter of timing. How long does this virus keep the country on lockdown? And how long does it affect things like gasoline demand? and demand for beef and for pork. Um, I didn't talk about the box beef market. That market's really come down uh, from from that big spike that we saw initially. And uh, that, that may be something that continues for a little while. But just when does the country open back up? Is it end of April? Is it all the way into May or June or even into July? That's that's the big unknown here. And, and the sooner the better, obviously. Um, I don't know where I stand on on this virus, I have differing thoughts about it every day. I mean, some days I think that we've we've ruined the economy over a a, a pretty harsh case of the flu, and others other days I think, oh gosh, we're saving lives and we're doing the right thing. And it's it's really tough, and and I don't know where I stand on it. Um, and it doesn't really matter where I stand. I've just got to react uh, to the situation at hand here, and that's really all you can do. You know, no matter your opinion you've got to kind of just roll with the punches here and everyone has a different opinion and and they're they really don't mean a whole lot. You've got to just in these situations roll with the punches. As far as grain marketing goes, um I did play catch up on on some old crop soybeans over the last couple of weeks. Um I I added to some winter wheat sales the last couple of weeks. I haven't done anything in corn uh in a long time and uh probably won't for a little while here the way that this thing looks. I don't like selling into down markets. I don't like selling when there's panic. I don't like selling when the funds are aggressively short. And we've got all of those things kind of going on right now. If you want to know when and how I am selling grain, uh, I send out marketing alerts to all of my customers anytime I'm making a sale. And it's fairly specific too. I'll tell you what percentage I'm doing, uh, how I'm doing it. If you want to know how uh, I go about marketing, sign up for that subscription service. Just go to standardgrain.com, click on Grain Marketing Plan. It's a $49 a month subscription. It's built uh, through PayPal. So you sign up for it once and it bills your credit card automatically and you can cancel it at any time. So if you jump on the subscription for a month and you decide, you know what, this guy, this Joe, he has no clue what he's talking about. I'm going to cancel this thing. That's fine. You can do that. I don't uh, tie you into any of this. So hope you guys have a good weekend. Uh, Take a a two-day reprieve from the madness uh, in the markets here. I'll be back on Monday. I'll try to get something posted Monday or Tuesday uh, here on the podcast. Remember, if you you, uh, are not subscribed, make sure that you do that. Everyone have a nice weekend. Hope the weather's good. Uh, Hope we see some improvement in some of these markets and hopefully some good news over the weekend. We could certainly use it. We'll catch you next time.